In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Amen. What are the factors that influence how you make decisions? What shapes what you do and why you do it? We all have things that drive us to do certain things. Perhaps it is your commitment and care and love for your family, a desire to avoid pain, the enjoyment of pleasure. Perhaps it's a passion for success fear or insecurity of failure. There's numerous things that motivate us to live the way we do. And there aren't singular answers, I don't think, for any of us for those kinds of questions because we are complex creatures and our passions are many and varied. And in different aspects of our life, we may be driven by different things. This week's epistle reading includes the heart and soul of the Christian faith. It also contains the reason for why Paul lives the way he does in his ministry, which beckons us to consider his words and to examine our own motivations and how we live out our lives as Christians. My hope for you as well as for myself is that we would allow the great glory that is in this passage to speak to us again call us to a renewed determination and diligence in our faith. As you probably recall, the Apostle Paul frequently faced pain and persecution. And if you'll remember, his name wasn't always Paul. It had been Saul. He has this challenging history and a past to overcome. Remember, he was once the chief persecutor of Christians himself, until God strikingly captures his attention on the road to Damascus, at which point his life changed completely, who he was, what he did, and why he did it. His primary motivation for his life was drastically altered. And in this passage, he opens by telling us that he is constrained by the love of Christ. I don't think we should hear constrained in the way that we are likely to. We don't mean constrained as in I'm in a straitjacket and can't move the way I want. Other translations use the word, I'm controlled by the love of Christ. I'm compelled by the love of Christ. I am urged by the love of Christ. All of those words speak to us of things that are true for Paul about Christ's love that he was so struck by the love of God in Christ that all other motivations and desires for how he lived his life and the way he lived it became secondary. Christ became his focal point for how and why he lived. And as he continues, Paul begins to explain to us his understanding of Christ and that love. He reflects on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and the scriptures as he already knew them, and he rightly concludes, as he tells us today, that Jesus died for everyone. St. Augustine reflects on this and writes in his book, The City of God, that, quote, all people were dead through sin, 
And for all those dead souls, Jesus died with the intention that those who come alive by forgiveness of their sins live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for all and rose again for our justification, end quote. That is the heart of the gospel. This is the basis for our Christian faith, that Jesus lived a life that no one could live in perfect obedience to the law, that he fulfills the Old Testament law and becomes an example for us of how to live and is also a perfect and unblemished sacrifice for sin. His resurrection is the proof that that sacrifice was sufficient and acceptable to God. His resurrected body is a hope and promise to us of our own eventual resurrection in a physical and spiritual body. Our worship each week, and particularly in our Eucharist, we keep and perpetually remember Christ's life, death, and resurrection for us. We remember this great love. And so Paul continues, and he presses this point about the effects of Christ for us and explains to us that everyone who believes in Jesus Christ is now a new creation. If we have any doubts about whether Jesus can recreate something and has power over creation, we need only to look at the gospel in which Jesus, wakened from his sleep, merely speaks to the sea and the wind and calms them. He has power over creation. He can certainly recreate you and me. Our life that is otherwise often filled with sin and impiety, those patterns and habits that we tend to fall back into, should pass away. The old is gone. St. John in Chrysostom encourages us to, quote, forget the whole past. And like citizens in a new world, let us reform our lives. Let us consider in our every word and deed the dignity of whom it is who swells within us. We remember Christ and live accordingly. This is the relative freedom and the glorious life that is found when we fully rest and have our minds and our hearts focused on the love of God, when our heart and soul is consumed with the love of him for us. Perhaps you're sitting here today and you need to be freed from those things or just to be reminded that you've already been freed from all those things that you've done before. They need haunt you no longer. I myself do not spend enough time thinking about this truth. You probably don't either. And I'm not even sure it's possible to spend as much time as we could or should thinking and reflecting on the love of God for us. What does it mean for you that God loved you so much to send a willing Jesus to redeem your soul and to forgive you of all of your faults, past, present, and future. What does that mean for you? If we will allow God's love, which is perhaps the hardest part for us, if we allow his love to flow into us, if we allow ourselves to feel it, God's love will overwhelm us as it did Paul. We need 
repeatedly to allow the richness of God's love and the fact of our forgiveness to wash over us and through us and to make us new. And as we do so, God's great love for us will generate in us a great love for God and for others. God will become for us, as it was for Paul, our primary motivator. God's love and his word will for us say, I should live this way and do this and not that. It should direct and urge our hearts and souls to love God and one another. One of the effects of how this plays out for us is how we regard one another in the church. Paul says that we should no longer see merely humans. Instead, our eyes need to be retrained to see the eternal souls and our shared expectation of an eternal physical body like we have seen in Christ. This should greatly affect our care for one another as we seek to love one another as we love ourselves. And more importantly, in the manner in which Christ loved us, as Paul encourages us, by laying down his life for us, so should we do for one another. The great love of God for us should compel us not only in our relationships with our brothers and sisters in the church, but also in our relationships with this world. We remember the early part of this passage in which Paul has said that Christ's death was for everyone. As those who know and have received that love, you and I have been reconciled to God and been given the gift of the Holy Spirit as a down payment in earnest of our resurrected life to come. Being in Jesus and being his disciples, you and I then are called to share in the ongoing work of reconciling the world to God of sharing the news. Perhaps an analogy would help. If you or one of your children achieved a marvelous milestone this week, you hit a hole in one, you aced that exam, whatever it was, would you want to share that news or just keep it to yourself? If you were given a significant gift, would you want to share your joy with others or hide away in your closet? Keep it only to yourself. There's something in us that wants to share good news with those around us that we know and that we love. And for Paul, and hopefully, ideally, for you and for me, the love of God through Christ is the greatest gift that you or I could ever possibly receive. His love and his forgiveness. If we do not desire to tell others about that gift... Perhaps we do not yet understand its true value. I myself struggle with this. So I'm going to take some time this week, and I encourage you to do the same. Today, tomorrow, maybe multiple days this week, to spend a few moments in quiet reflection thinking about God's love for you. That he's forgiven all your sins and not only yours, but those of the whole world. And if we'll allow it, as we again feel the warm embrace of God's loving arms, may we answer his call to be his ambassadors to this world, to share that love with the world, as we are ever more conformed 
into his likeness. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.